Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst and 49ers fan, Logan Motoshami, to talk about the 60 Minutes interview with Fed Chairman Jerome Powell and how we should interpret comments from Powell and also Fed President Neil Kashkari on rate cuts. Big thank you to our podcast sponsor, Truve, who offers verification products. We appreciate your sponsorship. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here, Sarah, and uh, just a few more days before your Chiefs get a good old Super Bowl whooping. You know what? I I think the Chiefs are going to show the the Niners the door. I think we're going to win, of course, and uh, and we have a something for our audience. They can because uh, we were talking about okay, if I win, if the Chiefs win, what do you have to do? If the Niners win, what do I have to do? And we decided. Let's tell our, our podcast audience, they get to come up with something, but they have to, they have to send it to you on social or send it to us on our, um, on our email. I'm Sarah at hwmedia.com, Logan at hwmedia.com. So tell us what the other ones should win when, uh, you know, what should, what should they have to do? Yes. Uh, please tell Sarah, she has to, uh, wear a t-shirt says I was wrong about the mortgage rate lockdown. <laughs> And, and please tell Logan that he needs to wear a t-shirt that says, I assent to your superior wisdom, Sarah Wheeler, on everything. That, that's what he really needs. Let's just be honest. That's what he needs in his life. Let's, let's give that to him. <laughs> Many have tried, Sarah Wheeler. Many have tried. <laughs> okay. Well, we have a lot to talk about today because the Fed and our favorite friend, Neil Kashkari, who um, you know came on, said some things, has walked it back. Tell us where we are with this right now. You know, you know, it's interesting because I'll, I'll, when this podcast will come out in the morning, I'm actually going to have an article on this. The household credit data came out. This is something that the uh, New York Fed updates uh, uh, every quarter. And Neil Kashkari came out with an article talking about, you know, the Fed funds rate really isn't really that restrictive bond yields have come down, you know, so everybody's needs to relax. Maybe, you know, don't need rate cuts, but I'm kind of mindful of, you know, the credit stress. Well, a day later, the New York fed came with credit stress and they're showing credit card delinquencies and auto loan delinquencies are coming up. Now I would argue that this is really being impacted on one group of people more than the general economy. And this is why, these credit card delinquencies are rising and the economy is still pushing along because majority of the people are still making their payments. Majority of the people that do a lot of the consumption in this economy are, are, are fine. But he said he's keeping an eye on this. And then all of a sudden, younger people, low-income households or younger renters are rising with credit card delinquencies. Now, you could say the 90-day delinquency is back to pre-COVID level. That was still an expansionary time. But that was different back then. Back then, rates were much lower. Short-term rates were lower. Long-term rates were lower. Uh, so whenever you have a data line breaking negative on you when it's an expansion, it's an issue. So Neil Kashkari said, you know, I, which I can't, I can't believe he actually made the statement. You know, inflation has fallen, but the labor market is still fine. That's a conundrum. 
homie, you're really just saying the jobless claims aren't rising. That's a conundrum. All right. So uh, don't make it don't make it that obvious. So I get, you know, this morning, he kind of kind of walked back and say, you know, two to three rate cuts. That's my gut. That's my gut. Right. Notice he had to put in the two in there. And I was like, come on. These people think they're fooling people, though. So some of the hawks are now in the two to three rate cut camp. But again, hopefully by now, it's all about jobless claims. I'm telling you, if jobless claims were rising, they'd be all like, go for it. So, uh, uh, you know, they, they have to kind of thread that needle. Um, and since jobless claims are still low and the unemployment rate is low, if they're working off their own models, they're like, well, really? What, what do we do now? And you just land the plane, man. Take the victory. And it's funny because we just, we just, I just saw another Fed president make a, a statement. If I was told that we would have 3.3% GDP growth, an unemployment rate at 3.7, and the headline PCEs at 2.6%, you know, three, six months is sub 2%, I would have taken a vacation. Exactly. That's what we want. All of you take a vacation. Go retire. Go read books. Go fishing. Let us take over. We'll land the plane. We were not worried like you people. So hopefully there's a little bit of a reprieve after the credit data because it is, you know, younger renters and low-income households don't have the luxury of homeowners in America. The homeowner data looks excellent. Oh my, you know, doing this nerd tour, I realize so many people have never seen like the homeowners financials in the scale like we show it. And it's like, they're great, but that's that's them. There's a whole other part of our economy and 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 people here that don't have that luxury. And I'm I'm hoping that that wake up call brings a little bit more, you know, stability in the future talk going out for the rest of the year. So, you know, it was just a week ago because we are recording this on Wednesday that the Fed came out and then, you know, there was there was a lot of um, you know, reaction to that. And then uh that same day. Uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell went on 60 Minutes and they aired that on Sunday. You wrote up that um, interview, which I thought was great, by the way. That was, that was uh, Logan, the, the news correspondent there, uh, adding his anal- analysis. And one of the things that really struck me with what he was saying in that interview is he said, you know, he was asked, well, do all the Fed presidents, does everyone around the table agree on these rate cuts? And he was like, well, almost all. And I was like, wait, there are people who don't that is, think that's have- Neil. <laughs> I, I was like, there are people who don't think we should have any rate cuts at all. Who are these people? And then, and then to your point, like Neil Kashkari, who, uh, you know, he's a Fed president at uh, Minneapolis. Is that right? Yes. And and the Minneapolis Fed follows me. So this is why we pick on him. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest here. Neil's down for three rate cuts. He always was. He's just trying to talk a good game, right? He, I, I don't want to bore you guys with the article that he wrote about, you know, how things aren't restrictive, but everyone, the Hawks are all like three rate cuts. They're trying to manage the bond market and the stock market. Remember, they don't talk to us normal people. They're just talking to Wall Street. So when they see five to six rate cuts being priced in and they don't deliver, they want to change that. So, um, Think about it in that light. They were not happy with the five to six rate cut speed. So they just wanted back down to two or three. In reality, they're all in on the two to three rate cuts for this year. And if jobless claims rise, then they'll be more aggressive. My thing is that, dude, you it's it's over. Let's just land the plane. Let's just start the process. And what I would do, if, if I had all the Fed presidents on TV and everybody is watching, I would say, 
Fed presidents, if the 10-year yield is between 3.37 and 3.80, which is the lower end of my channel, and mortgage spreads were normal, Neil Kashkari had a panic attack last year because 6% mortgage rates, you know, where people were having sex buying homes, that was not good for him. Oh, boo-hoo. But is that a problem now? Is 6% mortgage rates a problem now? If rates go to five and a half to six and a quarter, is that, are, are you guys going to be okay? Is this, is it, are you guys going to have a panic attack again? You know, that's what I would ask them. And I'd love to hear their answers on that because let's not forget it was last year when he came on TV and said, oh no, people are buying homes again. That's a problem for us. No, it isn't. Never was, right? Global pandemic inflation different than the 1970s. So hopefully this week cleared some things. But again, when, when we talk about credit stress data, homeowners, fine. 30-year fixed product. Now, I think what's happened is that a lot of us, uh, or, or there's a lot of young people who track economics who've never been part of a cycle where wage growth was really good. So when you have a very low debt cost and your wages rise faster, your DPI is actually uh, uh, good. This is why household balance sheets for homeowners are, are, are really good. Then there's everyone else that's a renter that's that's not in that category. This is why, remember early in the COVID-19 recovery, Sarah, we said that we have to worry more about renters than uh, than homeowners because homeowners that fix debt, and, you know, when everybody gets their jobs back from COVID, they'll be fine. It's renters that don't really have that kind of luxury. So uh, hopefully we get a little bit more clarity and all those charts that I show in the the article, everyone will see this and, and understand what I'm talking about. But uh, you, when you have credit stress during an expansion, it's issues, right? But it's really just kind of one group uh, out here and, and, and we're all part of the same team. So we all need to put everybody in the same. You want to make sure that you land the plane because guess what happens when a recession does occur? That data line gets worse and the Fed goes, oh my God, I missed it. It's like, it's funny because, you know, I show these charts with the credit, credit was breaking 2005, six, seven, and eight. Then the recession happened. They're like, why? I couldn't see it happening. I'm like, McFly, you know? So I, I tell the housing crash people, McFly on this side, credit isn't breaking. Back then, credit was breaking and you're all like this. So hopefully things are better. And I, I would say one good thing, uh, one of the Fed presidents today even said that, you know, we are... The economy's doing fine, but you know our dual mandate, which is good. We want them to talk about their dual mandate. La like last year, they were like single mandate fade. Now they're dual mandate. We know that all of a sudden the labor data can break very fast. These are things we want to hear, right? We want them to get back into a dual mandate and acknowledge that they're mindful of overdoing it because they are in restrictive policy still. Powell, um, a 60 Minutes article was like, see, the Fed hasn't pivoted. If the Fed told me we want to go to a neutral stance, that's where we think policy should be at. Okay, that's a pivot because then that means they're forward guiding, telling everybody, okay, that's where we're heading. Now they're like, oh, maybe three rate hikes, maybe two. Don't don't put five or six. But, you know, we're not we're not quite there. We just gotta get them over, and once we're there over, we'll be okay. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
I thought it was interesting in that interview, one of the things that he said too, um, which you pointed out in your article, you were like, this is why I call them old and slow was because, you know, the first I know, question- it's, it, it's literally, yeah. I mean, I was, I was like, I, I, I wasn't saying that because I'm, oh, I actually am an ageist, but still, <laughs> this is an institution that has told us time and time again that they're going to be by the curve. And, you know, they- See, it's, I, I understand. It's like when, when I when I talk to a lot of people, I say, imagine the real estate and mortgage industry. They were told that when the growth rate of inflation falls, rates should fall. Not that rates go higher. And then they went to 8%. It's like, what? You know, so I get it. It was like a total shock. It wasn't like rates went low. Rates went. Ex- so how is it? They're still super restrictive. And we kind of see it in the purchase application data, right? So I, I want everybody to code this. Okay, because we got Neil once again. He was he said literally, homie said this. The interest rate sensitive parts of our economy are doing fine. Okay, the builders are working off a sub six percent mortgage rate, but the existing home sales are at the third calendar year of Great Recession lows. Are you kidding me? Why do you make my job so easy to rip on you? How can you say the third calendar year of the Great? Oh, they don't use that terminology. And if you actually go to the Fed presser, Powell, remember last year when the Fed president was like, housing's recovering and the purchase application data was going down. I'm like, oh my God, Fed staffers, staffers, hello, rip it out of the speeches. Don't put your bosses on stage with that, you know? You know, so they they did it. They kept on giving their Fed presidents, housing's recovering. It's like, what is it? What what songs do we always talk about? Gangster Paralysis, Don't Chasing Waterfalls, No Doubt, all these songs. I mean, those are bands back then. But here, he said subdued. That was a that was the terminology they all came with. Subdued, third year of great recession lows. Back then, everyone's like, we got to cut rates. We need the rates to go lower to help. Now it's subdued housing recovery. Um, the those interest rate sensitive sectors are are, are holding up. So I think there's, I, I, I've always thought this. They have a very uncomfortable sense about talking about housing. Right. So uh, they I, I feel like internally when they were telling people in their president in their president speeches that housing was recovering and the data was actually falling during that, it makes them look bad. So they're very hesitant into really committing into anything. Um, but, you know, we, we had the purchase application data come out uh, uh, today. And just for everybody to know, we don't take the unadjusted weekly numbers. So it, it was positive six percent week to week on the unadjusted. It was negative one on the uh, adjusted numbers. So we always take the negative one. So basically, in a sense, carbon copy of last year, as rates were falling, purchase application data grew. As rates rose, it eventually impacts the data. And here we are near great recession lows. I would argue the lowest housing demand ever because we have more people working and our demographics are fine. Uh, But when we go back from all the way to November of 2023, here we go again with the November dates, eight positive prints, two negative prints working from the lowest levels ever. So context, right? This is not like the COVID-19 recovery where we were just, game was on, we're shooting it up. The higher rates is a COVID-19 policy by the United States government and the Federal Reserve to keep housing depressed. And they could use the word subdued, it's depressed, right? And will it will it really matter to, to the Federal Reserve members if the 10-year yield is between 3.37 and 3.80 and the spreads are normal, which is sub-6% mortgage rates, 
Is that a problem? I would ask every single one. I want you to tell me why we still have COVID-19 housing policies. Because that's that's not like we we were here in 2023 with yields. Why was it a problem last year? And if it happened now, why would it be a problem now with sub 2% three to six month PCE data? I swear, I wish I could get all, all of them, all the Fed presidents and try to get them to answer that question. Okay. So first of all, the fact that, um, you know, someone was like, oh, you know, at all the, all the interest, you know, any industry with interest, they're doing fine. It's like, do you not know anyone in housing? And do you not read any graphs about housing? Because I can understand why they're, they're, you know, they don't want to talk about it, but like, how do you not know that we have been pummeled? I mean, pummeled for the last two years. Here's, here's the thing. When you think of economic cycles, they think of residential construction. So they think of the new home sales sector. So the new home sales sector has pushed rates below 6% just to get sales to grow. The existing home sales market hasn't. They can't do that. So the builder's advantage, disadvantage. So every every economic cycle, right? And, I, and, and it's, it's funny, I was, I was trying to teach stock traders why their recession model failed again today. Your residential workers always fall before every recession. The builders, you know, they cut rates, the sales were very low, and they kept those workers, the backlog was in there, so they didn't really need to hire. They they worked that through. So in that mind, they say, oh, it's holding up well in that context. But then the general public, it's not just the real estate workers or the mortgage people. It's the general consumer, right, who sits there and goes, how come all these people get rates? Inflation is low. Where, what about us? Younger people, right? So there starts to be a little pushback now from the younger generation that credit card delinquencies are rising, auto loans delinquencies are rising, mortgage rates are high for them because they finance 90%. The baby boomers are sitting there laughing, going, ah, now I got interest on my savings, you know? So it's just one of those unfortunate realities. I, I, I They're not handling it the best way possible but you know hopefully we're just pushing them along come on come on neil and the fact that he came out and said okay two to three rate cuts i could see that it's in my gut guys it's in my gut i tell you you know so going back to the powell interview on 60 minutes the very first question is inflation has been falling steadily for 11 months you've avoided a recession why not cut rates now what we all think right and Powell came out and and I think it just shows just the reserved nature, the very careful, what we might call old and slow approach, because he was like, we have a strong economy. Growth is on growing at a solid, solid pace. Labor market is strong. Um, and he's like, with the economy strong like that, we feel like we can approach the question of when to begin to reduce interest rates carefully. We want to see more evidence that inflation is moving sustainably down to 2%. We have some confidence in that. Our confidence is rising. We just want, we just need some more confidence before we take that very important step. And it's like, wow, wow. We need, we need wow. more. We need more confidence. We need more confidence. <laughs> I'm playing the little baby violin, you know, their sap story. We need more confidence. Listen, Sarah, the honest truth, their model backfired on them. It backfired. I mean, I encourage people. I, I know nobody's going to do this because everyone has a life. If you actually go back and listen to the Fed statements and like they're like pain, the labor market, we need, we're attacking the labor supply, labor supply, pain, pain. The whole thing was about labor supply, right? Because if you attack the labor supply, prices will go down. 
right? That's the 70s model. I, I totally, I get that. If you believed in that, then it wasn't, by the way, the economy is going to outperform. The labor market is going to do great and inflation is going to fall down by itself. And we, oh, wait, we overhiked. Yep. Let's go back to 2022. 2022, I was like, I would stop here. Remember when I was all happy? There was a podcast where I'm like, oh my God, the Fed wants a soft landing. Here we go. They're like, they're like talking about three, six, 12 month core PCE. That's where we were. I'm like, oh, I like couldn't even believe it. I'm like, oh my God, they're really. And then all of a sudden, it's all spike the eggnog. Pain, the labor force. So what had happened was, and this is the truth, everyone, the labor market wasn't breaking and they were panicking. That's what happened last year. They panicked. The labor market wasn't hitting. Why? Because their unemployment rate was 4.5, 4.6%. They actually forecasted a recession and all of a sudden it wasn't happening. And they're like, but how are we supposed to stop the 1970s inflation? That was back then. It's 2024 now, right? We got a great sphere in Las Vegas. Go back to the 1970s and look at the Las Vegas photos. Look how the strip was back then. Now we got racetracks and a giant spear and a big 49er helmet, you know, uh, 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 out there. So I, I get it. Sometimes sometimes when you're stuck with an old model, it's just like the recession people, of uh, the stock traders out on Twitter. They held on to a recession model. And even though it wasn't, it like broke on them, they couldn't let it go. They just couldn't let it go. I was just like, guys, I'm trying to help you out here. It's like Sarah always tells me she wants to help me out or something. No, she's not trying to help me out. She's just trying to boss me around. But here, I'm actually trying to tell you guys, guys, your model is just failing right in front of you. You need to adjust. Like they didn't care. So um, hopefully, I get to get. Okay, so go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. I want you to finish that rant. It was a really good one, except for the part where you threw me under the bus for no good reason, when all I try to do is help you out and help our listeners out so that you don't keep going back and forth to the... All you want to do is... Why do I need help, Sarah? Why do I need help, Sarah? Why? That That is... Uh, Why do I need help? Why? You... Listen. That question listen, is bigger than Logan both of unleashed. Us, Logan. That, that question is bigger than... Logan unleashed is the best, Logan. <laughs> no. You guys... Uh, by the way, everyone... Uh, uh, everyone just to realize I'm going to go on a 10 year challenge. Everyone in America, uh, live debating, uh, a, a decade so we can get everyone's forecast for the last 12 years and get their models. You want to see like a debate takedown of people. That's what I'm going for. We're going to fork. We're going to focus on people and actually get them to forecast something. And they're going to go, I don't do that. I don't forecast. I just talk. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, we actually have someone who we're gonna you're we're gonna set up another debate with. Looks like a great candidate. Looks like a, a guy who who knows what he's doing. It'll be fun. So let me go back to the to um, the Powell interview again because I wanted to you know point out one more thing he said. One of the questions was was the Fed too slow to react to inflation in 2021? And Powell said, being very candid, in hindsight, we thought the economy economy would fix itself fairly quickly. So fix itself. And do it fairly quickly. And he said in the fourth quarter of 21, it became clear 
that wasn't happening. And so we pivoted and started tightening. So I just thought that was very interesting language there. You know, here's the thing. It's obviously different for me because being part of team higher rates in February of 2021, um, that was more just for the housing aspect. But here, here, the reality is this. After 2008, it was a very slow recovery. The labor market didn't recover until like 2016, 2017. So the Fed was still like, okay, this will be like a traditional burst of inflation that will come down. A a global pandemic, it's a little bit different, right? The supply, I mean, for God's sakes, we're still having chip car issues, you know, here uh, um, uh, on delivery. So it, I, I don't hold it against them so much back then. Because the last thing they wanted is to have like, remember everyone's like forbearance and the L recovery, W recovery, we're going into a recession. There was a lot of people who didn't believe in the recovery in 2021. There weren't, they weren't like us. Like we retired the COVID-19 recovery model December 9th, 2020. We're like, okay, that was it. You know, here we go. Uh, but there was a lot of people that were still in doubt. And again, I think the, the, the pandemic itself and people not being able to work freely kept them in check. I think if, if if that wasn't the issue, let's just say like literally COVID stopped in January or February of 2021 and, and nobody had anything and everybody was free to do whatever they want. I think things probably would have been different for them, at least I I hope. But um I can't I can't really comment too much because when your team higher rates in 2021 and then your team higher rates threefold in February of 2022, you're like, okay, but I, I understand why that, that, that I'm, I'm, I'm sympathetic to that, to that aspect, just because of what the COVID was, but here it's not the case. And again, this is not like, Oh, by the way, cut rates to zero uh, QE, everything, all this, this is just, just slowly move to that area. Just slowly move to that area. And, and people tell me about, yeah, but what about, what about the 1970s? What if, what, if, if they cut rates, we're going to, the stock market is going to, ex- Stock market at all time high, but if you but 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 if you cut rates, the economy is going to grow. GDP growth above trend, but 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 if you cut rates, nobody's going to lose their jobs. Unemployment rate slow, growth rate of inflation fell. Voila, there you go. Global pandemic. My God, since so the last five hundred years, they all look the same in this. So that's I think the damning part. I think a hundred years from now, they're going to go. You know, the Fed had like growth above trend, then the stock market rebounded and the unemployment, all these things were never supposed to happen because they were running a 70s model. They did. So just, just move along. And I know it's frustrating. It's trust me, I get it. But they're slow for a reason, right? Nature of the beast. Study the man playing poker with, right? Forget, study him or her. Then, you know, and, uh, I'm glad to see that the hawks are like, okay, three rate cuts. Okay, okay. If jobless claims rise, we'll do more. But now hopefully people realize why paper, rock, scissors, you know, rocks, scissors, labor over inflation because you can't make an inflation argument anymore. Um, and uh, if you wanted to make a 1970s model, just for every anybody that's listening, this is how you do a proper 1970s model. You tell people... War is going to happen. Oil is going to go to $450. Okay. Fertilizer uh, uh, prices are going to skyrocket. 
the cost of food is going to skyrocket. So the headline inflation will go up so high that it forces wages to compensate. It's not because we're a booming economy. People forget housing was booming back in the 70s, man. Labor force growth, all these things were were booming back then. We don't have that kind of uh, labor force growth. Here we are talking about maybe the headline inflation, war supply. Something something has to be uh, on the supply side because the demand side really can't you know, go into uh, extra gear. So then headline will take core inflation and there's your 1970. That's, a, that's at least a plausible thesis because there's a supply part of inflation, then there's a demand. The supply part is getting better, but let's give a reason. Let's say something happens where that happens and because fertilizer prices, food costs, wages have to offset the cost of it. Those, at least there's something workable, but don't tell me that if they cut rates, the stock market will go up and inflate. It's all here. It's we're, we're all, we're already there. Everything exceeded expectations and the growth rate is down. So it, the only sector that's at great recession lows is housing, the existing home sales market, because the rates are extremely restrictive for that. And it's like, really, is five and a quarter to six and a quarter going to be the end of the world for the Federal Reserve? I mean, is that, I mean, we have young people that need to buy homes, have sex, have kids. That's what a, 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 a powerhouse economy does. Household formation, get them going, right? All these homeowners that are sitting there, they're like, hey, we're great. And everybody's like, young renters like, what about us? Neil Kashkari, what about us? What about us? So in, in just a few minutes that we have left, one of the things that Powell reiterated on the in the 60 Minutes interview is that March a March rate cut was unlikely. So from your perspective, what could possibly change that? So May looks like the the most the first uh, time they'll cut rates. In your mind, is there anything that could every, every everything is in play. Every month every meeting is in play. Because if jobless claims rise on them, they're gonna move. So that's the thing. It's it's the jobless claims data. They could they could talk all they want, but if claims data starts to break, I don't care if it's March, May, or whatever. If that breaks, they will move. The market will force them to move too. The bond market will will get ahead of them as well. So, so again, as always, keep an eye on the claims data. They Powell even said that you know in the presser, he said if if the labor data gets weaker, then we will be more aggressive. So. Right now, they're because jobless claims are low. They're going. Let's just let's just be old and slow and and drag this out. But um, if the claims data gets worse, we're, the market's going to price five to six uh, uh, rate cuts. And you know, you I mean, two things help like get rid of the uh, inverted yield curve. Either the ten-year yield takes off again like crazy, which they don't want. They've already made it clear, or the Fed has to start cutting rates. That's kind of what the market is. So right now there's more power on here because last year when it happened, they're like, they're like, oh my God, what's going on? We don't know why the 10-year yield is going up. Oh, were you just hawkish at the meeting? Yes, we were. Hello, McFly. Bond market was very short. They burned you on this. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Again, that four and a quarter, if we get above four and a quarter on the 10-year yield and it goes up again, that's on them. Ford guidance, you can, they, can, they can do things to change everything if they wanted to. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping that they learned their lesson last year with that uh, yield spike and just just land the plane. Well, we're going to land this uh, episode here, Logan. Thank you so much for being on. And audience, remember, um, think of us when you're watching the Super Bowl. Um, hopefully the Chiefs win. Send in something amazing. Watch that- the Kansas City Chiefs hold uh, Nick Bosa 25 to 30 times in the game, and then he'll they'll get two calls. You know, that, that's what everyone should see. Because the Niners' defensive front will basically uh, 
take that suspect Logan, offensive line of the Chiefs. Logan, but I, the, I, there's going to be a lot of holding. There's going to be a lot of holding. There's just going to be a lot of holding in the Super Bowl. Listen, the energy from Twi- Taylor Swift alone and the Swifties will carry us to victory. That I am, I am sure of that. So everyone, uh, write in what it is that Logan's going to have to do when he. I, I'm pretty sure Taylor Swift cannot tackle Debo Samuel's in open for you, <laughs> but that's just, uh, just that's just you. Okay, thank you so much. Talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening, and thank you to our sponsor, Truve. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.